0: Welcome to Above the Horizontal, my name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined tonight by Miles Steadman because Kieran is unwell, so of course we send our best wishes to Kieran and we also send our best wishes to our listeners in washington virginia who did not get in contact with us on social media i noticed so shame on the no not really i'm only kidding only playing uh if you could get in contact with us though we, we would really love to hear from you uh we'd love to find out how you found out about the podcasts uh who your favorite team is in in the rugby league who's your favorite player uh we have an email address it's above the horizontal nrl at gmail.com uh so yeah please get in contact we'd love to hear from you and. Miles, I thought the first thing we would do uh, in Kieran's absence, Kieran has kindly put together the run sheet. I, I appreciate that very much; saves me a job. Um, we'll jump straight into the best bold predictions. And Miles, mine did not go fantastically well. I <laughs> I went for Jake Trebovich to uh, to score a try and come up with a try assist in their game against the Knights on Sunday. And I'm very proud to say that Jake. Did neither of those, so that's a big strikeout for me, and I think I'm going to have to go a bit more conservative with my guesses from now on, and we'll see how I go later in the episode. Miles, your bold prediction was that Corey Norman would be involved by try or try assist in each of the Dragons' tries. Now, they scored three tries, am I right, on Friday night?
1: Uh, They just scored the two, actually, I believe. I'll stand corrected, but they did miss all their uh, kicks at goal, which uh, uh, did bring the, the score down a little bit lower. And Corey Norman did assist one of them, but he didn't assist the other, unfortunately. So it's a case of, I think, cold for you, sorry, uh, warmer for me, but for Kieran, hot.
0: Yes, you're right. He uh, he predicted that the Seagulls, uh, who were playing against the Knights on Sunday, would score 18 points or more and go on to lose the game. And they did. They scored 24, I believe. Was it 26 to 24 or 28 to 26? I can't recall. But either way, it is more than 18 and 26 to 24. And, uh, and so Kieran, again, gets the chocolates. Uh, congratulations to him. I'm sure he'll be listening as soon as we drop this episode. Uh, little little clap for Kieran. Let's go straight into the big question, Miles. Now, uh, it might be a little bit early in the season, but I don't think it is. I'm starting to get a little bit excited for State of Origin. And as a Queensland fan, I have no idea why. Because <laughs> because it does not bode well with four of it, uh, three of our teams uh, in the in the bottom four at the moment. But I, I, I do uh, suggest that the Sunshine Coast Storm are doing quite well. They're coming second, so uh, so we do have some hope for our State of Origin. Miles, you're you're obviously more of a, a Blues fan, being a, a Sydney based NRL man.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm not just more of a, a Blues fan, I'm a, 100% a Blues fan, and uh, I absolutely hate Queensland. Uh, I love the state. It's a great state, and a lot of great destinations, and great place for a holiday, but as far as rugby league goes, despise.
0: Yeah, lots of great uh, holiday destinations, like Gatton, uh, Bundaberg, <laughs> um, a really good ISIS. one. Uh, <laughs> Mount Isa, actually, that one—that one's actually really good too. Cloncurry, uh, they get up to forty degrees out there quite regularly in the summer, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, lots of great destinations. Um, I could get a job for Queensland Tourism. What do you reckon? Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the big—the big question is miles. Um, I'll leave you in charge of the Blues because I don't think the Blues want my advice, and I'll handle Queensland. What cha- uh, what changes would we make to our set of origin sides? Come the end of the year, um, now, Miles, I mainly focus on Origin 3 last year for my Queensland team and players that I would take out and and put in and such. I'm going to let you go first, though, because the Blues have won the last couple of series and uh, look in a pretty good position to to make it three in a row this year should they uh, stay injury-free. What changes would you make to the New South Wales Blues from last year to this year?
1: Well, I'm going to go with a new left edge, and I'm going to select David Nothaluma and Michael Jennings. And now, uh, I know that will probably have uh, a lot of people um, standing on on all fours here, um, because it's it's I know it's out of left field, but look, my reasoning for this is that. Um, Nofaluma, I think he's been just about the best, uh, at least the most well-rounded wing in the league this year. It's, of course, his contract year too. He uh, <laughs> does have a, a wide variety of talents, not just the, the tri-scoring ability, which he exhibited earlier on in his career. So he's he's really rounded out well as a player at the Tigers, which is a, a rare thing to say about a Tiger. Um, but he's <laughs> he does seem to also have that kind of build for State of Origin. I'm not just talking physically, but uh, rather than just being a, a tri-scoring magnet, uh, such as Nathan Merritt and even even David Williams, who both kind of flopped in state of origin. He really does have that big build and wide r- wide ranging skill set, which kind of holds him in good stead for uh, a wing position. And 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 Jennings, of course, oodles of origin experience for him, and he's he's won half of just about the best edge peering in the league this year. So um, look, he, I don't know what the where we stand on Sevo, whether he is eligible, whether he isn't. I know he did spend some time in Gundagai, but uh, regardless, I, I have uh, chosen Jennings um, in one center spot, and I, I don't think there's any question that he'd still be up to it. Um, and uh, I, I think we both have f- three selections here, so if you're fine with me to roll on with my final one here. Yes. Uh, I've gone for, on the bench, uh, Cameron McInnes, who uh, obviously has got experience at both hooker and lock, Um and I think it might be finally time for him to, to make his origin debut all these years after he was uh, initially in the running for that hooker spot, which later went to Damien Cook, of course. Um, the, I think the Dragons captain can even play some 5.8 when asked of him. So I think it would be the perfect kind of utility for New South Wales. And he's, he's, really, um, he's really bared down this season, in what has been a tough season for the Dragons. And I don't know, I think he's, he's kind of made for state of origin.
0: I think uh, it's an embarrassment of riches for New South Wales because I think I think all three of those players would walk into the Queensland team, um, particularly on current form. As you said, they're all in, in fine form. I'm curious about um, a couple of things with your team. So the way I see it, uh, you have three genuine halves um, that one of them is going to miss out. I would say you have Nathan Cleary, Luke Keary, and Jack Whiten. Now, if you have got Michael Jennings on at left center, that moves Jack Whiten out of left center. So, who's missing out from that three out of Whiten, Keary, and Cleary? In your opinion?
1: Well, look, I, I love Whiten, and uh, I did say uh, not on the on the podcast, unfortunately, but. I am on record at the start of the year saying that I thought that Whiten would probably actually end up as the Blues 6 this season um, before COVID hit and, of course, before um, the the season started. But I look, as you said, embarrassment of riches, and I just don't actually think that Jack Whiten has been quite good enough this year to justify selecting him but also justify selecting him uh, out of position in the centres, whereas I think that Jennings is... Not only does he have the, the, the measure of experience over Whiten, but he also has that, um, that blinding form at centre. So, look, it was a, certainly a hard call, and um, believe me, I, I think that Whiten probably will be chosen, um, certainly more so than Jennings, because I don't think Jennings is quite of the, the age bracket that Freddie would be looking at. Um, mm. So I think Whiten would go do, do a good job, but for those reasons, I've chosen to leave him out of my team.
0: Yeah, very interesting indeed. I, um, I've i sort of gone with a mix of who I think will be picked, but also a couple of choices that I would like to see as a Queenslander. I may end up with more than three, but I think that's probably a fair reflection of where Queensland are at compared to New South Wales at the moment. Um, players that played in Origin 3 last year that I would not be carrying into origin this year are uh, Corey Oates for form but also for injury Will Chambers obviously is not around anymore Corey Norman Moses Mbai, Joe Offerhen Goway and Ethan Lowe who had a really good game for Queensland but he like you know unless they're gonna Nate Miles him and just pick him forever and ever despite club form um, I don't think Ethan Lowe gets a gig either so Who is replacing them now? Um, I've gone for a couple of fairly interesting choices, I think. I I think a few choices sort of pick themselves. You know, Ponga's fullback, Munster 5'8", DCE, halfback. I've gone with Reed Marnie at hooker, um, with Ben Hunt becoming a utility on the bench, um, which would normally have been Michael Morgan's job. So Michael Morgan's in the centres for me. So is Dane Gagai. I've gone with two new wingers. No Corey Oates. Uh, Valentine Holmes is... Probably unavailable. So I've gone with Kyle Felt. Uh, for a long time, he's been sort of knocking on the door fairly vigorously. And apart from a pretty poor performance against the Rabbitohs with a bit of a brain explosion, which I will talk about later, I think he's earned his stripes. And the other person that I think would be a very Queensland selection, uh, the same state that picked an 18-year-old Greg Inglis and an 18-year-old Israel Folau, would be Xavier Coates and I can see if if Xavier Coates comes back from injury and p- finishes the season well for the Broncos, I could see the, the Queenslanders throwing him an opportunity. If it wasn't him, it'd be someone like Hamaso Tabuafito or Ronaldo Militalo from the Sharks. So there's a few names there on the wing. Uh, I think there will be some some transition in that position. They could, of course, keep Dan Gagai on the wing and put Moses Mbai in the sentence, but my question would be, why the hell would you do that? <laughs> um, so, so the, the forward pack really picks itself. I think, um, like if everyone's fit and as I said, Reed money gets his opportunity at hooker in my team, like Josh Papali'i, uh, Jai Arrow, if he's back available, uh, David Fafita, Felice Kafusi, Josh Maguire. I think that forward pack picks itself on the bench though. I've got a couple of interesting choices. I've got Christian Welch. I like the cut of his jib. I think, I think he's a I think he's a winner um, and playing pretty decent football for the storm so I think he could do a good job off the bench the Glasby job if you will uh, I think Christian Welch is the better Tim Glasby these days I've got two debutants on the bench here's a list of names that I left out I left out Josh Kerr from the Dragons Jaden Sewer from the uh, from the Rabbitohs, Cohen Hess from the Cowboys Francis Molo from the Cowboys Dylan Napa from from the Bulldogs, Corey Horsburgh from the Raiders, and two Broncos I've left out Thomas Flegler and Patrick Carrigan. I think a lot of people think Patrick Carrigan will make his debut, and he may well do, but I think the Broncos' terrible, terrible form, and the fact that they won't be playing finals football, and the fact that Origin is picked after finals football, I think it's going to count again against him. So I've gone with Tino Fa'asua Malou- Maliawi. My apologies, Tino.
1: Well done. Uh, <laughs>
0: Fa'asua Maliawi, and I've gone with Lindsay Collins from the Roosters, who is also a Queenslander. Um, he's been very impressive, Lindsay Collins, um, filling in for JWH. So I think I think the big three calls. I've gone with four debutants. Let's put it that way. I've gone with Felt, Xavier Coates, Tino Fa'asua Maliawi, and Lindsay Collins. Without Patrick Carrigan, what what? What do you think about that team? Would that team strike some fear into New South Wales' hearts?
1: Look, I, I, I really like the picks of Coates, or as our friend Kieran would say, Coates. Coates. <laughs> and I also love the Collins pick too. I think he's been really understated in what has been a, a great Roosters team. Mm. The one question I think that uh, especially all New South Wales-based fans will be asking is... Where is Harry Grant? You've you've chosen the the defensive maestro Reed Marnie over him, but is there a, a clear and concise reasoning why you haven't chosen Grant, or is it just you bit, bit I, bigger fan of Reed Marnie?
0: Uh, I'm actually a bigger fan of Harry Grant, um, and that's 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 not to uh, diminish my my love for for Reed Marnie. Uh, I especially love Reed Marnie because he does some charity work with people with disabilities. Um, so big fan of Reed, but Harry Grant's injured at the moment, and we don't actually have a return date uh, for Harry Grant. He, he may well be out for the rest of the season. So what we're, what we're thinking is that he'll be out for, let's call it, the safe bet is at least three or four weeks at this point. So he comes back, he plays a couple of games, potentially injured, and then the Tigers don't make finals because they probably won't. And he doesn't play throughout the final series, has to stay fit, whereas it's fairly likely that the Eels will make the top four and should get probably about as far as the preliminary finals, uh, which means Reed Marnie's going to be playing some high-quality football uh, right up until a, a couple of weeks before the Origin Series. I, I think that gets him over the line, and I think it gets him over the line in front of Ben Hunt as well because uh, the Dragons obviously won't play finals football either. I think it's Reed Marnie's time. Reed Marnie's done this for a couple of years. He's earned his keep. He, he has made the Eels a better football team. Grant, of course, did that for the Tigers as well. But I think the injuries are going to count against Harry Grant here. So that's, that's where I've gone with Reid Money.
1: Fair enough. Well, that's very, um, that's very concise reasoning. And I think you've picked a, a, a good Queensland team. And as you say, a few very Queensland selections in there like Coates, the, the flyer on the wing and hardworking guys like Welsh and, and Collins. So I think it's a, a great team
0: hopefully for you though not good enough to beat your blues and look i've got to say like when when the blues named their 17 almost certain superstars it's kind of like you could pick a second new south wales team and on paper they'd probably look better than the maroons but the maroons always put in so uh, that's just how origin is uh, thanks for that miles let's head to the above the horizontal awards for round 14 uh, this is where we pick our best match our best moment worst moment mvp unsung hero and a wild card award we'll start with the best match miles my best match was the dragons versus the eels i thought that was a really fantastic match uh, very close very tense i loved the defense in that game it did raise some questions about the eels um, ability to go deep uh, this season and it also raised some questions for the dragons like where the hell was that all year um, but that was that was my match of the round what was yours
1: well, I was actually at that game, believe it or not. Lucky enough to, to know an Eels member who had a friend who didn't want to come to the game. So I stepped in and I, I got to watch that game, which was uh, fantastic. But alas, I went for another game, one that I watched on television, which was the Rabbitohs versus Cowboys. Uh, oh, I hate I you. Think that, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Bo. But um, as you as you would have seen yourself, I, I think the Rabbitohs could almost see their finals hope slipping away. And they mounted an incredible comeback against the Cowboys away from home, no less. Uh, I think with a bit of class and experience, probably being the difference between the two in the end. And, of course, Adam Reynolds, as he's done so often before, striking a field goal with very little time left on the clock. And, look, I I think whenever a game comes down to a field goal, like two games did this weekend, uh, it's in the running for the best game of the week. And and I I have gone with the high-scoring Rabideaus-Cowboys encounter. 31-30
0: Thirty-one thirty is a uh, is a bit of a curse scoreline for the Cowboys. You may remember a preliminary final a few years ago um, where they were trailing thirty nil to the Roosters, and then they got it back to thirty all, and then the Roosters kicked a field goal, and the Cowboys had. They, they had a, a video referee decision that went against them for a try in the final minute uh, i think probably a correct decision but it didn't stop the cowboys conspiracy bandwagoners from jumping on <laughs> that was 2014 i think uh, well that was the
1: um, one that was about the fourth of those massive refereeing discretions in the in the ten years prior wasn't it
0: yeah, and, and that was the best of them. That was that was probably a, the correct call. Uh, but anyway, uh, It was it was a, a good tight game, but I do have bad memories of, of this Rabbitohs one. Uh, more on that. Uh, best moment, um, I don't know. I'm a bit of a sucker for a sentimental story. And for me, the best moment was the smile on Paul McGregor's face as the Dragons won uh, in his final game in charge, being down there on the sidelines, soaking it all in. You could see what it meant to him. And and I really enjoyed uh, when Cameron McInnes gifted his jersey to Paul McGregor for his final game as coach, which was a nice touch considering that Paul McGregor, of course, was the one that presented Cameron McInnes with his first Dragons uh, jersey. So uh, that was my best moment—the smile on Paul McGregor's face—and and, and uh, may he become a very good assistant coach somewhere one day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Miles, what was your best moment around?
1: Look, I, I had that as well and the only things I'll add to that I guess are that um McGregor has been with this merged entity from just about its inception so mm. he's one of the few few people who you know he, he wasn't always the the best football player uh, he played in a grand final so it was he certainly wasn't bad but he, he was never the best player but he was he's been there for the dragon the St George Illawarra Dragons since the very beginning and it is a obviously it's a a very rough trot that he's he's endured of late, much like our our friend Kieran would would tell us with Arsene Wenger, the late Arsenal manager. But um, look, I, I, as I said, I too had the the smile on Paul McGregor's face. And what I I don't think also gets said quite enough about McGregor is just how classy classily he has handled all this. He's he's not been out in the media slagging anyone off. He's had nothing to say about the awful trot he's been given. He's um, the, the post-game interview he gave Before the first review was uh, I thought excellent And he's, he's clearly still Held in very high regard by his players Even if it didn't always look like They were playing as hard as they could for him So he has been a classy Classy guy throughout this So I hope he goes on to find a, a position Wherever it may be, somewhere else Where he walks into a club with A little bit more stability than that basket case Down south
0: yeah, shout out to our, uh, our our listeners in Shelbourne, New South Wales, uh, who, uh, Shellbourne, Shell Harbour? Shell Harbour, well, our
1: former <laughs> listeners now. <laughs>
0: They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Shellbourne, No, Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> like, what, what am I talking about? Um, that's probably the worst moment of the podcast, but the worst <laughs> moment of round 14 is, Oh, geez, these segues are bad, aren't they? Um, The worst moment of round 14, I think, as a Cowboys fan, I'm I'm definitely biased, but the the Cowboys' brain explosions at the end of of that game against the Rabbitohs, to to essentially throw it, uh, was pretty devastating. Uh, The Rabbitohs' left edge attack was picking apart the Cowboys' right edge pretty fluently. Um, So... Uh, I wasn't surprised to see them go down there when the score was 30, 28, but on the last tackle, Kyle felt for no reason than to other I don't know maybe slow to play the ball down a little bit, plays at the ball, gives them a penalty and Reynolds, I mean he just missed a, a conversion from that side quite poorly, but he's one of the better goal kickers in the comp. You don't give him that sort of opportunity to level a game and he did. Uh, that was a brain explosion, but one that I actually that was a pretty well documented one the one I really want to talk about was from Cohen Hess and John Asiata when on the, again, on the last tackle, um, trying to stop the Rabidos from getting into field goal territory. They make contact with uh, a Rabbitohs forward. I can't remember which one exactly. I believe it might've been to about 40 meters out from their own line. If they just put him to the ground, they give Adam Reynolds a very difficult chance For field goal or, of course, force him to do something else. Instead of putting him to the ground, they decide to drop off the tackle periodically, taking turns to do that in a a stupid attempt to try and strip the ball, which only results in him marching them 10 metres downfield before throwing them off, popping an offload, which is then uh, passed by Cook to another forward to take a further 10 metres and get a fast play the ball for Adam Reynolds to slot over an easy field goal. It was it was just baffling stuff. I, I was I don't know if you can tell, I'm, I'm a pretty good fan. Like you talk about hating Queensland, for example. I don't hate the Blues. I'm I love Queensland. I don't hate the Blues. I, I love the Cowboys, but I'm not a parochial fan. So I, I was watching with my housemate. I, w- I was sitting there and I was like. You know, I was just sort of accepting it, but inside, man, like, I, like I don't. For those, of, for those people that have like anxiety and that feeling it has in your chest, I was getting that. Like, I was so angry and upset internally at what was going on. So that was hands down my worst moment. Miles, what was yours? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't think I can quite top you there in the passion that you have for your worst moment. But <laughs> look, I, I'm glad you chose it because I was certainly going to choose this, but. Um, it's all mine now, which is Kevin Proctor's biting escapade. Um, of course, overshadowing what was a fantastic milestone for the New Zealander. Look, I think whether or not he should have been sent off is the eye of the beholder. I think that if the referee saw bite marks and, and saw the bite happen, you've got no choice, but who knows? But either way, it was it was just a damn shame that the incident unfolded. and It was a, a fantastic week of football too, and we, we don't seem to be talking about it now because... Well, Kevin Proctor supposedly bit Sean Johnson, so I thought that was a, a really disappointing one.
0: Yeah, and I, I've just had a little look on NRL.com. They're, they're currently in the judiciary hearing for that. I kind of hope that he gets off. I, I don't think that there was anything in it, um, and I think certainly a send-off and a lost game is punishment enough, as Sean Johnson said and he's. Social media post today, but we'll wait and see. Um, but at the time of recording, no decision has been made on Kevin Proctor's punishment, if there would be any. Let's move to our MVPs. My MVP this week was Jerome Hughes. One try, one try assist, one try save, seven tackle breaks, almost 500 kick meters, which is very unlike him. Playing against the Roosters, uh, the the reigning premiers for the last two years, no Cameron Smith, no Munster, no worries. Miles, who was your MVP?
1: My MVP was another player who was, uh, I think, less favoured than uh, someone else. Uh, of course, Hughes potentially less favoured than Croft before Bellamy, of course, made the right call. And I've gone with Karen <laughs> McInnes, who, as he, we've sort of alluded to, he was fantastic on the weekend. He um, gave Paul McGregor that big hug. He. Didn't miss that hug, and he didn't miss any of his tackles on the weekend either. Mm-hmm. He ran for 172 meters, which is certainly respectable for a player of his position. And I, I think, for the most part, he just um, he stood up against one of probably one of the most impressive forward packs in the league. And so it was a fantastic captain's performance. It was, and it's really great to see McInnes kind of coming into his own and, and making that lock position his own. And 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 as I kind of alluded to earlier in the pod, I I think that. Potentially, it should earn him State of Origin on us.
0: Look, I, I certainly wouldn't begrudge him that. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Cameron his fan. I'm especially a big fan of the gap between his front teeth. Um, absolutely <laughs> love, to, you love to see it. That's old school footy. Uh, big fan. Who else I'm a big fan of? Uh, again, maybe biased. But the Unsung Hero Award this week for me goes to Michael Morgan. Now, it seems odd to say that a a player who has previously at least been considered elite is an unsung hero but um, he had a particularly poor outing against the Titans in his comeback game Uh, and he spoke himself about uh, how he needed to get into the defense that's what he really needed to do Um, and he did uh, to his credit it was a really good comeback He had to sit by and watch his mates throw that game away, as I talked about. But with two tries, seven tackle breaks, only one missed tackle with 16 made, and almost 300 kick metres, it was a heck of a game from Michael Morgan and and exactly what I want to see from a Cowboys captain as a fan. Miles, who was your unsung hero of the round?
1: Well, I think uh, sometimes the best players shine through in the club's most important victories. And I believe that's true of Apisai Korosau this week, Mm. who... Is no downhill skier. It was a tough win for the Panthers over the Warriors. Um, But he made, again, another player who made all his tackles, 53 out of 53. And he also made six tackle breaks, which is, uh, I mean, with those two considered, it's hard to say that Coruscant's contributions weren't a large part of the difference between his team winning and losing.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'm a big fan of Apisai Korosau, and I know you are from a couple of years back as well. Um, He's he's a heck of a player, so a good choice. Miles, it's time for the Wildcard Award. Uh, This is where we get to pick an award of whatever we want it to be, and I've gone for a particularly obscure one, so stick with me. I've gone for the Simple Minds Award, and it goes to Ben Hunt, With all the talk about... (laughs) That sounds like an insult, but stick with me. (laughs) With all the talk about Reid Marnie or Harry Grant for the Queensland hooking role, Ben Hunt sang don't you forget about me
1: (laughs) leading the dragons
0: to an unlikely win against the eels from dummy half. So uh, he's every chance of retaining that hooking role from some pretty good competition. And uh, I think, I think dummy half is his best position. So the simple minds award goes to Ben Hunt. What is your wildcard award this week? Miles?
1: Well, look, I'm not doing any singing for my award and I'm not doing any impressions of this late great actor, but I've gone with the Marlon Brando Award for Broncos Mafia. And look, <laughs> this week we saw the Broncos. Well, I, should, I guess I should start by saying how often the Broncos are uh, derided uh, as, uh, or derided, derided the NRL as being New South Wales centric. But look, last week certainly showed the, the kind of benefits that you can reap if you're the only team in a league mad town. We saw reports emerge that Alan Langer broke the uh, COVID quarantine rules to celebrate his birthday at the uh, at the Caxton Hotel, famous local Queensland establishment. And uh, uh, accompanying tales also popped up that he may have had the venue turn off the closed-circuit television to conceal his bubble bursting. Do you reckon <laughs> that would happen in Sydney? No freaking
0: way. <laughs> no, I think you're right about that. Um, although they're not the most functional mafia going around, I've got to say. Like, <laughs> like surely surely the mafia, for example, would have made David Fafita an offer he couldn't refuse, if you will. Uh, but <laughs>
1: very well. Uh, but fantastic job hijacking my award there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, welcome. Okay. Um let, let's let's move on to the controversial take for this week. Players who left us wanting. Now this this is uh, this is a bit of a a take where you can take it wherever you want, I suppose, but it's the, it's it's the player that promised us so much with their career and in, in whatever way that is, and just didn't quite ascend the mountain we thought they would. Uh, I'll let you start us off if that's all right, miles. Who are some players who left you wanting?
1: Well, I might also bring into this one. When we were discussing this off air, Kieran did mention Felini Matteo, who I thought was a great shout for this award. There but look, uh, my um, my controversial take selection this round is is Chris Sando, who of course got a uh, I guess a bad name for himself as perhaps not the hardest worker or uh, a bit of a locker room cancer, which is certainly enough for a, a club to not want you. But he was uh, he, I believe he was released following the the riding off of a car in an in industrial area somewhere out the back of Western Sydney and he, he seemingly lost his one and only chance in the RL he he went to England to to play afterwards of course where uh, I believe one of the commentators called him the best kick, kick of the footy since Sean Long which I'm I'm told is quite a compliment to be paid in English rugby league and he he very really went, very nearly won the Man of Steel which is absolutely a compliment uh, in English rugby league but we I <laughs> think Maybe a few thought after that, you know, oh, well, maybe he'll get another go in the NRL, but we never saw him again. And he, he's only 31 now, and uh, at least at my last check online, he he was last spotted in 2018 playing rugby league in a local Mackay league in, in North Queensland. So Lord knows where he is these days. But 31, you, you're absolutely not done as a, as a half in the NRL. So I, I thought it was a, a real shame that Christina never got another shot.
0: Mackay, by the way, is another lovely place in Queensland to visit, um, if you ever <laughs> if you ever find yourself uh, wanting some tourist destinations. Um, yeah, Chris Sando, I, I remember very much, uh, he debuted for the Rabbitohs, didn't he? He was a Rabbitohs man yeah. when he debuted. Um, yeah. Those chip and Chases and just the, it was Alan Langer-like, you know, like the, the physique, the, the pace off the mark. He was... He was really something, and you're right. He he probably has left us wanting a, a little bit. It just he had all the talent in the world, but maybe just didn't want it as much as some of the other guys. A few a few names come to mind that have left me wanting over the years. And and literally, while you were talking about Chris Sando, I'm like, oh yeah, from that era, I could totally go with Dave Taylor. Like that's that's someone that absolutely should have been. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and and he absolutely should have been. The most damaging prop in the world, really, for his physique and pace and skill set, um, but maybe just didn't want it enough, didn't keep fit enough. Um, he he was he was really something. Um, I've gone with a current player, someone I have the absolute utmost respect for, um, and I understand that injuries have played their part, but I I still tip the Bulldogs on the strength of Kieran foreign playing. Like, I know that that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but um, a couple of years ago, um, see, Miles, you and I both used to, and Kieran as well, used to write for Real Sport, um, which a couple of years ago used to deal in actual real sports and not, uh, not, not e-sports, ironically enough. They're still called Real Sport. They only deal in e-sports now. It's, it's very bizarre to me. Um, we used to write uh, for them and uh, Dan and I came up with an idea to do a poll um, for the best player of the NRL era. So what we had to do was seed players. Now, this actually never took flight um, because the, <laughs> the website got shut down for Rugby League. But um, we had to sort of seed players. So he would pick his top 32 and I picked my top 32. And from that, we kind of bartered a little bit and came up with a list. Kieran Foran was inside my top 10 for that. Um, Now, this was a few years ago. I think he may have been playing with the Warriors, or it may have even been while he was still at the Eels. But he was inside my top 10, and that's with names like Johns, Lockyer, Kronk, Thurston, Smith, Slater, Inglis, Kieran Foreign. Now... That seems like maybe high praise to a lot of people, but I think people have short memories, and he was a fantastic player for the Sea Eagles. And I think, I think the thing that sets him apart is maybe he's not the most skilled half going around, but he's bloody one of the toughest. And the way that he engages defenders by not just going to the line, but going to the line at pace and straight, like straight, like he straightens up the whole attack, which which automatically sets, like, say, the A defender on his heels. The B defender has to come in, which opens up that space, and he takes a hit every time he goes to the line. I have so much respect for him, but injuries and, unfortunately, his his relationships and mental health have really crueled his career. Um, he was a, he was an absolute star signing for the Eels when they signed him um, about five years ago now. And, uh, I think Kieran Foran is the one that has left me wanting And as I said, I tipped them against the Tigers. I almost got it right, but I tipped them because I just sit there and look at Foran and go, that's a guy that can just destroy a team if he was up to what I remember him being. So Kieran Foran is the player that has left me wanting the most. And even more so than Dave Taylor, that's quite the, sta- <laughs> that's quite the <laughs> statement, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um... Unfortunate for Kieran, I'm sure. Let's let's move on to uh, our tips for round 15 miles. Now it's going to work a little bit differently because we don't have Kieran to fall back on. So um, I'm going to take the first hit up, which is the Eels versus the Storm on Thursday night. The Eels are unchanged uh, for their game uh, after losing to the Dragons last week. Uh, Coach Brad Arthur is not panicking. The Storm have a couple of force changes. They've got Shander Earl coming in to replace Siliyasi Vinobali, who has a broken jaw. Um, and Tino Fa'asua Maliawi, got it that time, <laughs> starts at lock uh, for Dale Finucan, who has a calf injury and will be missing the rest of the year, or at least the rest of the regular season for the Storm, which is a big loss. Um Delphinukin's a very fine footballer. I'm not sure where he figured in your in your origin uh, team, but he's someone that certainly wouldn't look out of place. Um Drew Hughes also has a a groin injury complaint, so he is uh, named at halfback and and will be essential because there is still no Cameron Munster and there is still no Cameron Smith. Uh, Cooper Johns is named on standby for Hughes. Um, The storm was very impressive against the Roosters last week, but that was a very damaged Roosters side. A full strength or near enough full strength Eels side against a storm side missing Munster and Cameron Smith, and I can't see Jerome Hughes playing that well again um, to get them over the line, so I'm going to go for the Eels on this one. Miles, who do you have?
1: Look, uh, I... As good as they were last week, with all the injuries, I just don't think they have enough cattle to pull this one out, and obviously they were matching up against an equally injury-affected team in the... the, the, Sorry, the, the Roosters, but Against a team like the Eels, who are almost fully healthy, and of course playing at Banquist Stadium, this to me would would be one of the great Craig Bellamy victories if he could pull this one off, so I'm going for the Eels.
0: That's actually quite, that's probably a a big question or a controversial take for future weeks. The greatest Craig Bellamy victory, I've got one in mind, (laughs) and people may forget that he was the coach for this match. Um, and it was not at the Storm, I will say that. Um, So, um, But yeah, anyway, we might keep that one in the back pocket. We'll probably forget about it, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Miles, you have the Friday afternoon game between the Panthers and the Sharks, which I'm actually quite looking forward to.
1: I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, The Panthers are uh, on their club's longest winning streak in their history. The last time they won this many games in a row, I believe, they were uh, premiers at the end of the year. it, Mm. It is hard to see anyone breaking it now, but... Uh, look, I think as, as vulnerable as they looked last week I expect the Sharks to get them around for their money But I think the favourites will, will prove a, a bit too classy in this one uh, And coming out on top So I'm going for the Panthers by, let's say 6
0: Yeah, I think it'll be um, a bit of a slog as well I'm actually really liking uh, CSC for Talakai uh, playing in the back row and playing 80 minutes for the Sharks. Uh, Britton Nakora seems like a pretty good player, but he's been relegated to the reserves the last few weeks because of Talakai's form. It's saying that he's no the Kikau at this stage, so Panthers probably should do it by single digits. I agree with you. I've got the next game, which is the Broncos and the Dragons, also on Friday night. Broncos. <laughs> you can't see me right now. Miles, but I'm shaking my head. (laughs) 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 I I always land with the Broncos because they always have the freaking second Friday night game. Look, they've got no Payne Haas. He's suspended. Uh, No Thomas Flegler. He's injured. No Jake Turpin. He's also injured. No Brody Croft. He's dropped. Um, That might not be a bad thing necessarily, but he is part of their senior playing group. So that's got to have an effect, right? The Broncos field yet... Another for our front row pairing with the underperforming Joe Offerhan goway And the tall timber, that is Rhys Kennedy. So uh, there's lots of chops and changes there for, uh, for Peter Gentle, uh, who's still the caretaker coach at this point. The Dragons have a new coach as well. They've got Dean Young taking the reins, uh, perhaps temporarily. Uh, he may get the full-time job. We we'll, yet we'll to see. Uh, Paul Vaughan comes back from his COVID bubble breach um, and comes back on the bench. Uh, in, at the expense of LiveWire, Utility, Tristan, Sailor. Um, surely the Dragons win this one, Miles.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I know it's tenuous logic, but the Bulldogs have been good under their caretaker coach. Uh, Dragons, similar situation. They've got a caretaker coach. He's a club legend. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to pick the Dragons in this one. Awesome.
0: Now we have the Titans and the Raiders on Saturday afternoon. So the Titans have the return of their wingers, Anthony Don and Philip Sammy, who are both back from injury, um, with young Mapia shifting to center uh, for Dale Copley, who hurt his peck in a, in a tackle last week. And Corey Thompson relegated to the reserves despite breaking like 13 tackles last week. It was something crazy like that. Um, Joy Arrow is out with a shoulder injury, which is a big loss. Um, Jared Wallace comes in. and He's a ex-Origin forward, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. Fotowaker has shifted to lock forward and Sam Stone comes onto the bench. Uh, we, we're still waiting to hear about um, Kevin Proctor. I've been refreshing the NRL.com uh, website and I still can't see... There's still some cross-examination happening uh, as we speak, Miles. So we don't have a, um, a, an affirmative decision there. So he has been named for the Titans at this stage. Uh, the Raiders just have a return of Hudson Young in at lock. The Raiders are just a better football team, Miles. I, I, can't, I can't see them losing to the Titans here.
1: Yeah, they're really hitting their straps later this year, so I, I'm going the Raiders too, and I, I think they could uh, really be dangerous towards the back end of this year.
0: Yeah, 100%. And they, they're currently sitting in fifth position. Um, they feel like a top-four team to me. They had a bit of a, a sluggish mid-year, um, but if they can hit their strides, as you say, they they... They may well break into that top four, and and then from there, um, anyone could win the comp from the top four. I would say. Um, speaking of winning the comp, uh, Miles, you have the <laughs> Tigers uh, versus the Roosters, who I think are much more likely to win the comp. Uh, who, what do you reckon?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, despite as many injured players as the Roosters are carrying uh uh, unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, but the t- Tigers look like they're getting worse with every game. Uh, they look like they can't wait for the, the season to end. Uh, perhaps that's to do with Michael Maguire's coaching methods, uh, which have known been known to really take a toll on teams. And of course, this is a lost a roster made made up largely of of first year Tigers who would be new to major style. So, look, I, I'm actually going to go for the Roosters and the drubbing here.
0: A drubbing. Well, that's uh, that's drubbing,
1: interesting, bro. Yep.
0: Well, I might jump on uh, James Tedesco in my fantasy team to be the captain. Then I would say because if that's the case, <laughs> uh, he'll score plenty of fantasy points. Um, well, they got Brett Morris and uh, Jared Weary Hargraves returning as well and jwh has been a huge influence on that team they really missed him last week against the storm when they were getting beaten up in the middle there and kyle flanagan returns and he may well have a fire lit up his bum um after getting dropped. yeah oh there you go okay uh bold prediction incoming uh like, I've, got the, I've got the roosters as well um i've got the Rabbitohs and seagulls game on saturday night rabbitos obviously scraped home against the cowboys Somewhat unconvincingly, uh, but are unchanged on the exception of the suspended Liam Knight with Bailey Siren coming into the starting side and Jack Johns coming onto the bench. I thought Jack Johns has been kind of impressive actually. Um, um, looks can be deceiving because obviously you know he is the spawn of Matthew, but um, he's, he's doing okay. Look, I feel sorry for the Sea Eagles, I, I really do, and they'd hate to hear that. I think <laughs> the Sea Eagles they would not like that at all. They don't want me feeling sorry for them, but their front rowers have been in and out of the team with injury and suspension. And uh, DCE has a different halves partner week in, week out. Tommy Turbo is out injured. And now a future Queensland origin great, uh, Brendan Elliott, is out injured as well. So um, they almost got the Knights on Sunday. Uh, Ruben Garrick will be the fullback um, in Elliott's absence. And George Tafua has been recalled on the wing. And Marty Tapau is back, which is big news. Um... I'm going for the seagulls, and my reason, Miles, is why the heckity heck not?
1: Well, good for you, Bo, but I am absolutely going for the Rabbitohs here. <laughs> I think uh, Wayne Bennett, as you say, the seagulls, a ton of troops. out. no, I think Wayne Bennett has kind of muscled up here and said, well, at least said through a, a Skype call or a Zoom call or something or other, that it's it's winning time for the Rabbitohs and it's time for them to. Clinch that final, um, that final, final spot in the top eight. And I think the Rabo is going to take this one out.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably the, the good call. Um, I, I can't remember how I did on the tips last week, but. Um... And Excuse the French, I'm just gonna go ahead and say, not fucking well. So, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe don't, maybe don't listen to me. However, do listen to me for the next minute as I talk about the Bulldogs and the Warriors on Sunday. Uh, Will Hopperati returns at fullback um, with Nick Meaney shifting to the wing. I know that Nick Meaney's he's a pretty good fullback. I quite like Nick Meany. there's something about him. Um, but I think Will Harper just has that extra layer of class, and if we're talking about players that maybe have left us wanting a little bit, maybe he's one. But he, um, he, he just has that little bit of bit of class on the end of their block play, on the end of their block plays that I I really like. Um, Jeremy Marshall King. Aiden Tolman, the try scoring machine. Aiden Tolman, by the way, he scored two tries in the last three weeks. Uh, and Matt Dury, who made his debut last week, uh, all move into the run on side with uh, big recruit Luke Thompson benched um, and Dylan Napa suspended. Uh, Jake Avarillo returns, which is which is exciting. I like Jake Avarillo; it looks very promising. But he's on the interchange, uh, interestingly, uh, which is not good for my fantasy team. The Warriors. Uh, have Hayes Perham getting his first game since round four, pushing Adam Pompey to the wing and Patrick Herbert out. Um, Alicia Katar is suspended uh, with Isaiah Papali'i in the second row and Jack Murchie getting recalled on the bench. Uh, Miles, like this is this is seriously for me. I don't know. This is one of those just pick a number. Hey, um, uh, I I really don't know what to do. So I'm gonna go <laughs> with. The Bulldogs, because they've got Kieran Foran, who's one of the top 10 greatest NRL players ever.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to go for the Warriors. And reason being, I think despite the, the two teams having fairly even form lines, I think that pound for pound, given who they've been playing, the Roy- Warriors have been producing the better football.
0: Yeah, I think so. And they... Um it's probably also the better pick, but I, I just stuck with a the theme and I'm going to go with it. Um, like a, like a blaze of glory. Yeah. Look at me go. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you could please tell me how much the Knights are going to beat my Cowboys by on Sunday afternoon, please, Miles.
1: Well, look, hopefully not too many, but uh, unfortunately there certainly will be in my opinion. Uh, the, the Cowboys, for what it's worth, as, as someone from the outside who doesn't actually watch a whole lot of Cowboys, they, uh, they do look like they have the cattle, but the the two head coaches that they've had this year don't seem to have looked like they've lined them up all that correctly yet. So who knows if they've done that this week? And, uh, of course, they, uh, they smashed the Knights last time out, so who knows if they'll be able to reproduce that form. But uh, I wouldn't be betting on it. I, I am going for the Knights in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go for the Cowboys, Um, and it's mostly a heart than head. Um, I I don't like Ben Hansen at 5'8". I think Michael Morgan needs a little bit more help there, and Jake Clifford is literally right there. Uh, He's also a better goal kicker than Kyle Felt, and that that proved costly uh, against the Rabbitohs. That's one thing we didn't mention. They scored more tries than the Rabbitohs and still lost. I like Scott Drinkwater at fullback. Um, I like that they dropped Jake Granville again. So there's a, there's a lot, to, lot to like. And Daniel Saifiti is out. He succumbed to another knee injury for the night. So let's go for the Cowboys, which leads into my bold prediction for this week, Miles. I've gone <laughs> quite conservative, as I mentioned. It's quite sad when it gets to this point. Miles, my bold prediction is that one, just one, Queensland team will win a game this week. <laughs> just one. And that doesn't count the Storm. So that is the Titans against the Raiders. That is the Broncos against the Dragons. And that is the Knights against the Cowboys. I just, I desperately needed a win in this bold prediction category, mate. So I'm going for one Queensland team to win a game. They are, They are not the favorites in any of them. So I guess it counts. So I'm going to take it. One Queensland team to win this weekend, round 15. Miles, what is your bold prediction?
1: Well, look, the Roosters are welcoming back three usual first-team players in in Brett Morris, Jared Warrior, Hargroves, and, of course, as we alluded to, a a presumably fired-up Kyle Flanagan, uh, with the latter man surely to be keen to make an imprint on on the back of the supposed lack of faith that his head coach has shown him in recent weeks. Um, So I've gone with Flanagan, Kyle Flanagan, to assist one try and score another in a 12-plus-point win over the hapless Tigers.
0: So one try assist, one try, in a 12-plus victory against the Tigers. Interesting. Uh, I think that's probably... Uh, the, the try will be the interesting one. I think he'll definitely get a try assist and winning by 12 should be on the cards. So you could very well be in the game there, Mr. Miles. Probably even more so than me with my one Queensland
1: team. <laughs> it's going to be winning. close, I think, because um, yeah. I, I actually think that he's more likely to score the try with how good a, his backup play is. But, um, of course, the sticking point there is will the Tigers be able to... Hold on, and, and will the dragon uh, presumably, will the Broncos be able to beat the Dragons? Because I don't see either of the other <laughs> Queensland teams winning their matchup.
0: Thank you very much. And a big shout-out, of course, to, uh, to Kieran, who, who was unwell. Uh, we love you, Kieran. Hope you're better soon. Uh, shout-out to uh, your brother, Owen, who is a, a, a friend of the show, friend of the podcast. Um, I hope you're keeping well, mate. And, Miles, enjoy your football watching this weekend. Go the Cowboys
1: you too Bo try best to enjoy yours and look uh, I hope the Cowboys get a win because they're playing the Knights
0: Above the Horizontal it's brought to you by the Pioneer Australia Your regular panelists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.